1: Hey, guys, appreciate you joining us for Behind the Braves uh, on, the, on our podcast here. We're up here in the press box in your home where you get to watch the game. And um, we uh, we are so excited, just like I'm sure you guys are, about what's going on with the team and, and obviously all the things that are going on. But, uh, but Joe, I was going to start with you and just say, hey, we, you know, we've known each other a long time, and this used to be something that we didn't even think about. It just happened every year. And here we are, I don't know how many years would uh, – uh, 20 years later they're talking about and, and we're back in the World Series and we're excited. Does it seem different now than it did during those uh, early years when you were broadcasting? Uh, I'm sorry, your name again?
2: <laughs> <laughs> George yeah.
1: George McMichael. Uh-huh.
2: Uh, you know what, Greg? It is, um, it's no different. It, I think this year uh, I've been very jacked up about this because it's been a long time between drinks as I keep saying. You know, 20 plus years since the Braves have been in the World Series—that's hard to believe because of what you just said. Uh, being able to enjoy deep runs in the playoffs for so many years. So, what, um, what—the way it's affecting me is. Uh, you know, I'm closer to the end than I am in the beginning and I really want
1: that ring. Mm, I hear you. And and I've been talking to the alumni, you can imagine how many of these guys are excited. Greg Maddox is coming in for Sunday, Tim Hudson, David Justice will be here tonight. That's cool. Along with Chipper and Andrew and, and so so Ben, when I when I talk to those guys, they are super excited and I can just hear it in their voices. When I said, Hey, you know, we'd love you for you to come out to the series. And I, I think with with me as well as these guys it just takes us back to what we were feeling at the time. And so this is really the first time you're going through this. So so I'm just curious. What are you feeling when you're calling games and you're doing you're doing this right now? How's it feeling for you?
3: Uh, It's a thrill like none other, to be quite honest. I've I'd never even been to a World Series game prior to Game One of this series, and the World Series has always been a sacred thing for me. Even in years where we weren't in it, I try to have you know you have Super Bowl parties. I've always hosted friends over for World Series parties. It's a big deal. I want to watch it. When you think about the World Series, I think about historic moments in the history of the game. Bill Mazarowski and Joe Carter and. Tom Glavin and Don Larson, and you could go on and on and on. Uh, To be a part of this from our end for what we do, you could work as hard as you possibly could. That doesn't guarantee that your team's going to be in the World Series. And when it came down to the final few weeks of the season... And, and you're watching the postseason races and seeing how this thing is going to shape up. I was watching a Mariners Angels game, game 161. And the Mariners needed to win that night and the next day to force maybe a one game playoff, hoping to get in as a wildcard team. Didn't work out for them. They, they haven't been, their broadcasters haven't broadcasted a postseason game in 20 years. They never broadcasted a World Series. And I think about all the, the broadcasters doing what we do who never get to do this. And this is four straight years in the postseason for us and now getting to this level, this is just, like I told these guys, I knew it would be fun. I didn't know it would be this fun. This is definitely a thrill. You know, one thing just to follow up on that that I think has been real interesting with the front
1: office, of course, the the team was nice enough to invite all the front office to Houston. I know Ricky went, and they're flying on the plane. And then then, uh, Thursday morning I saw them all just dragging into work, and they're like, hey, welcome to the life of a ball player. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. And how did that feel?
0: <laughs> hey, I saw a World Series win. I'm, I've, I, was, I didn't need to sleep for days, if, if that's what it took. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you all, or both of you about... Uh, so i'm working on the social media side of things i get to see a lot of happy comments every day also get to see a lot of people complaining and it's hard to ever find something that everybody pretty much universally agrees on uh, that they're happy about so we we uh mounted a gopro cam in here for the clinch of the pennant and that video of you guys first calling the moment and then celebrating i was actually just looking before we came over here it has now been viewed over about, I think, just over 1.1 million times. Holy cow. And that's across all platforms. And the comments, and again, getting everybody on social media to agree on anything, it's virtually impossible. But I could not stop reading all of the comments because they were all people that were just happy, positive. There there were people, multiple people saying, this is just making me tear up. I love this so much. So what was that moment like for you guys? And it's kind of along the lines of what Greg was asking. Joe, you've been doing this here in Atlanta for, what, 30 years, and this is your first run like this I mean what was that moment like to celebrate that together
3: uh, it was it was very surreal um, what you saw on, on the video, was was authentic joy i think that's what everybody was feeling because they've been following this team ups and downs for their entire lives it's rare that people get into baseball halfway into their life or or down the road a lot of people who are following this have been following it since they were seven eight nine years old and have been fans of the team for that long Uh, for us just knowing what was to come i mean you make that we make that call together Uh, Try to do our best to narrate the moment and knowing the thing that set in with me within the next 30 seconds after the final out was the next game we call will be a World Series game. The next game that's in this stadium will be a World Series game. And and Joe, uh, to me, it just felt like we're there this is done that, that, that that's happening and uh, just the authentic joy that set in I think a lot of people resonated with that well I and I said this to you and Jonathan
2: that um, I'm I was pulling for you guys as much as anybody else because I wanted you to enjoy uh, something you hadn't done before, and uh, I- I'm going to call you rookies at this, even though you're not, but in a sense, right. uh, it is a-, a rookie experience for you in this postseason, and I wanted you to experience it, but then I was happy for me, too. Mm-hmm. I was excited, and like I said, I was jacked up on Mountain Dew. I was fired <laughs> up about it, um, and I started, when I heard the um, the GoPro video on it when i was listening to it uh, it reminded me because all i say was yes you know yes yeah it reminded me of when marquise caught the fly ball in center people asked me about skip and i i mean it was like people thought it was actually kind of rehearsed or something because there was kind of a yes 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 thing on the recording that was just pure happenstance it wasn't anything either one of us thought about and then the, yet here it happens a week ago and that's exactly the same thing i did then so i don't know what what the deal is and why it comes
3: out that way, but it is just pure excitement. It, I add one more thing to it. It's very, there, there are very few times in one's life where you truly experience pure euphoria. That's what I felt like in those moments right after seeing that because it, it just seems, especially where this team was two and a half months ago, you never thought this was possible. That was actually what Jay
0: Chad and I were talking about before all this when we were talking about what we wanted to do with the GoPro. I told him, I said as a Braves fan who was 12 years old and watched in 95 and I've heard you and Skip make that call a million times and it never gets old. I told J-Chad, I've always kind of wondered in my head, I wonder what it looked like in there. That's and, good. And, and to be able to bring a moment like that to a, the next generation of Braves fans is just is, is so great.
2: I, I wish we'd have had a, a GoPro in the days when Sid slid. Because i got to tell you, over at uh, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, uh, we had some tiers in the booth. I mean, T-I-E-R. There were different levels in the radio booth before you got down to the to the window. So Skip and I were on that call. Pete and Don had called the first half of the game and they were standing up on the next tier up uh, with their wives. Uh, Rick Shaw was right behind us, the radio engineer at the day, the, Pete, the uh, Jonathan Chadwick of the time. And there were some other people up by the door. And I'm not kidding. The stadium was rocking. Atlanta-Fulton County Stadium was rocking. And the genuine excitement that night with all those people in that big booth we had was, uh, it was party time and fun. Yeah, that's, it's
1: amazing. And I go back to, of course, my job being with all the alumni. I get their feedback and I get them calling in excited, coming to the games and, some of those guys were in a bunch of World Series and they have a bunch of playoff games and and they're just as excited as they were back then as a player. For me, being able to sit in the stands with my wife and watch it and be excited with all the employees is really a different a different feel for me. And I, I've been just, I've been loving it. Of course, I know what it's like to be down there as a player, but I'm telling you what, for a fan, it is a different experience. And I'm glad I'm getting to experience that just from being able to work for the Braves. And of course, we're all vested in this team.
2: Right, but Greg, don't you find that it's harder watching? I mean, when you're in the bullpen, You know you got some control over some of it. You're sitting in the stands. You got none. Yeah, exactly. It's like watching your kids, right?
3: Play yes, ball. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It is a little different. I find myself, you know, when the team was on the road, watching at home, it, it's a little bit more nerve wracking because you want these guys to so do so well. You're invested in them, you guys. And I think what what's great about being able to do a podcast, and I know you guys are doing a great job with your podcast, and being able to do some of these things like Ricky does behind the scenes, the fans get to see that we don't just work for the team, but we're invested. Because sure. we do, we put in our time and effort, and we want these young guys to do well. We want them to experience what we've what we've been able to do throughout our careers, and it's been a lot of fun to see them overcome. Right, and I think that's the big word for this year is to see them overcome what they've done. And so I was curious about you guys. What have you seen? What would you think was the turning point? I know what I th- what I think it was, but what do you think was a turning point watching this team where they shifted from this five hundred? struggling team to all of a sudden looking like they could go all the way
3: uh, I think two things for me number one the trade deadline um we we were doing a podcast about three or four days prior to the trade deadline, and Joe and I both said you probably need four deals. And number one, that's so hard to do at the deadline. You could you could throw lots of irons in the fire, but that you don't you're not guaranteeing yourself that four trades are going to work out. And then furthermore, if you can complete four trades, who's to say that all four of them even work? That all four guys contribute, all four trades hit, and that's what happened. And this team had and, lots of and needs. What, and what you, what do you have to give up? Yeah, which wasn't much in this case as it turned out and w- when that took place you're able to get you're able to address the needs that you had and then we went on a road trip it was the second road trip that we had traveled on we went to st louis came back swept that series in st louis but the next road trip uh, they just blasted through everybody i think one nine in a row we did um, it, yeah, it was Washington, ra- Miami, Baltimore. Radio was 12-0 and 0 at that point. 12-0 on the road. <laughs> yes. And we were ready to take all the credit for all the success. <laughs> that's <right. laughs> uh, so that's what had changed. No, I'm kidding. But uh, th- those two moments, it-, it made me think, okay, well, they addressed their needs, and this is paying off, and they're playing good baseball. And when they came back from that road trip, I know they had a, a tough two-game stretch with the Yankees. Then they had the Giants come in. But you're playing good teams, teams that in the first four months of the season, you probably would not have competed all that well against and now you're really competing well and winning some of these games and to me it just built from there it got mm-hmm. better it just kind of snowballed from there to by the time you get to the end of the season they're playing their best baseball of the year and that, that's they've ridden that crest right into the World Series I think uh, I agree with you Ben um,
2: but think back to uh, Greg to that period you're talking about where they were just treading water just just kind of sitting in the middle of the pool not going anywhere um with all due respect to everybody that was in the big leagues at the time for the Braves, I'm not gonna uh, diminish anybody's uh, ability because if you're in the big leagues, you gotta be a good player. But when when Dansby Swanson was hitting fifth in our lineup and after Dansby did whatever he did going through the lineup, after that, Boy, it was Slim pickings for the next four batters before we got back to the top of the order, and whoever that was at the time, we had five guys. That's mm-hmm. and that's all we had, and whatever number of bats they got that night, we had to make hay when the, those guys were doing it. We talked at times, Ben, about Dansby shouldn't be hitting fifth; he ought to be hitting seventh at best, right, and maybe even eighth. And when those new guys came on board, that start that deepened our lineup immediately. We had when, when Alex went out and got Jock first of all, we had a legitimate outfielder. You know Ronald's gone, not coming back. We had a legitimate major league outfielder who might take advantage of the porch out there at the chop house and uh, we had a, we had a threat. Okay, that deepened our lineup by one. Okay, so we were going somewhere. But when those other guys came along, not and they weren't just anybody. Adam Duvall's leading the league in RBIs. Adam Duvall was terrific for us last year. We knew him. We knew what he was capable of. There's two. We didn't know what we were going to get with Jorge Soler. He was hitting 200 maybe for the Royals. He comes in here and goes gangbusters. I'm not even I I could go with uh, Richard Rodriguez, too, and talk about him and what he added depth-wise to the bullpen, but I'm talking about the lineup primarily. So, long-winded story, or answer to your question, Greg, when all of those guys started deepening our lineup and then Ian Anderson came back from the I.L., bang, that's when things started happening. (laughs) So I have to tell you, and this is the truth, one of the my favorite parts of my work
0: week every week this season has become when I get the email from J. Chad with the latest episode of uh, from the Braves booth. It's in my inbox because I, selfishly, I'm glad about this. I get to be the first person to hear it because I listen <laughs> to it, I write out the episode description and then I send it off to New York so it can be published and distributed everywhere. And I'm glad you don't edit it. <laughs> I don't. No, I never, never cut a thing. Never cut a thing. I just sit there and enjoy listening to it and write, write what happens. Um and so for Behind the Braves listeners that haven't checked out these guys' podcasts, you, I don't know where you've been. First of all, you need to go subscribe to it right now. I love the format. It's 20 minutes of talking about the week that was, the week that's coming up. And then the rest is my personal favorite where you're just taking questions and from the very serious ones to the who would win in a steel cage match questions, which are the <laughs>
2: best ones, by but the we're way. We're undefeated on those.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So <laughs> I was just curious, how's, the, how's
3: uh, being podcasters, how's that been? Have you enjoyed the show and, and the questions that you've been getting from folks? Yeah, I know we have. And... Uh, I like what's come of the format, too, because when we first started this, I don't think we really talked much about a format. We just said, let's flip the mics on and see what happens. Right, And we got to do two things that that we really enjoy, talk about Braves Baseball and hear from listeners and answer some questions. And it is funny because there are certain mysteries that come with what we do compared to the TV side, because folks don't see behind the closed curtain here. They just hear us. Um, they, They know us. They know our names, but maybe they didn't know much more about, you know, anything than that other than what we do and such. So, Getting to uh, connect with listeners, talk about things that we wouldn't normally talk about on the air, I think that's been a lot of fun. And uh, I knew it'd be fun because what we do every night is a lot of fun. Getting to work together, so getting to do that via another medium was—I uh, knew it was going to be a lot of fun. And I'm glad that that folks have really enjoyed it the way that they have.
2: Yeah, I uh, frankly I thought it was going to be a bit of a pain in the ass uh, because we work every game and we talk three hours on a good night three hours about baseball that's pretty good (laughs) yeah so um, I I wasn't quite sold on it at first but I have really enjoyed it and I think it does have a real strong value in terms of kind of recapping what's going on and I like knowing what's on the minds of the fans with these questions however frivolous they might be i don't care um they know we like to have fun and we'll have fun with the questions but there's obviously a lot of serious ones too that there might be something we didn't touch on or cover or talk about and they want to know and we're happy to answer so i'm enjoying it
1: well, I can't believe that Ricky and I have been doing this for three seasons now, and it's it's been a lot of fun. And I, I was like you, I wasn't sure what it was going to look like, feel like, you know, um, but it's been a lot of fun. But we love you guys. I grew up on radio, and I think there's something magical about radio. I really appreciate what you guys do. And I know it's going to carry on into the podcast, and you'll continue to get a, a great following there. So keep it up. Thanks for joining us today on Behind the Braves. And um, we appreciate you guys, too. Yeah. You're doing you. good work you Thank you. Well, go Braves, and let's bring it home.
2: How's your changeup, by the way? Is it still hey, pretty, fu- well, pretty good? Is it fun? I, I used to be,
1: you know, I would throw, and then I had the slow and slower. Now I've got the, just the slowest. Oh, okay. So, so there's it, not a lot of difference it, in that There's change. No, it's just slowest. <laughs> and uh, I, I wish I still had it, and I still believe this. And, of course, Joe, you know, you and I have talked about this. I watched the game, and I think, and, of course, you know, the pitcher for Houston the other night, I can't pronounce his name, Urquidy. 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 He did a great job with this changeup, yeah. right? Ian does a great job with his changeup. They're not quite the same changeups that like me and Glav and Maddox had because ours were circle chains and kind of we tried to make them and decrease the the revolutions to make them move a lot. Most guys today are four-seamers because they're, they're off the four-seam fastball, which makes sense, right? Yeah. So um, they're a little different, but I still – I look at the game today and I see if somebody they can absolutely dominate with a change up based about you know, they
2: just need to to increase those changes speeds. I, I I'm convinced you could be a two pitch starter. If you've got a good change up, because you can uh, alter the velocity on your fastball, too. Sure. And if you can locate and put your fastball where you want to, you can be a two-pitch pitcher and a starter. I'm curious. I, I, I think I know the answer to this, so I'll, I'll start the, with, did Charlie Liebrandt start all this? Was he the guy that originated this circle change with everybody?
1: Well, if you really want to go back to the 70s, it was Mario Soto. Okay. If you go back to him. But it really didn't pick up a lot until I don't think you never heard of it. I mean, that was a big gap between the 70s and then it went into really the splits with Roger Craig. Right. And then. I think Maddox, I mean, I think Glavin made a huge, uh, huge dent in it. If you think about popularity and the circle change. And then there was a guy named, I think, Billy Swift. Uh, He might have been a Roger Craig disciple, but I think the the early 90s Braves pitchers, you can probably contribute a lot of the circle change success because of them. Now, you know, people want to knock it and say, well, it's because you were getting six inches off the plate. And like, well, you know, umpires had a choice. They could either give you away or they give you in. They never gave us in. So we took advantage of a way, but that's, that wasn't in light of the history of baseball. Umpires were unique in that, in that sense. Some would have different strike zones, whereas it's a little bit more uniform. Now, nowadays it's more vertical as opposed, opposed to horizontal.
2: Uh, You mentioned Billy Swift, quick story on him. Uh, He was in Seattle when I was there. Uh, First round draft pick out of Maine. And I think he was one of 18 kids. Uh, that's pretty swift. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, Billy Billy had a great sinker, and it was a change, and he had a bet. I forget who our pitching coach was. uh might have been West Stock in Seattle who said, you get 18 ground ball outs. I'll buy you a, a suit of clothes or something like that. Mm. I forget what the oh, reward was. Billy did it. Billy got 18 ground ball outs one night. Back in the days where guys actually mm. pitched, yeah, <laughs> more than seven, more than five innings. Yeah, but uh, he was terrific. Well, you, I mean, you,
1: you just said it. I mean, when we were coming up through the minor leagues, our pitching coaches knew how to incentivize us, and it was like if you threw a complete game with 99 pitches, I'd buy you a steak dinner and that was the goal every time out the game's not like that anymore, it's if we can just get five and strike out and with no runs, yeah. that's the that's the goal it was just different you know, for us, but we had to utilize change-ups and we had to utilize sinkers and, and off-speed pitches that way because you couldn't get, we were pitching to contact, No, they don't, now they don't do that they're trying to avoid contact and so that was a, just a different mindset and of course you're going to be a product of your environment from the standpoint of pitchers so if that's what everybody wants you to do that's the only way you're getting the big leagues, then you gotta to do it
2: but you know what greg I, I think there's been a little bit of a swing back to contact and i'll use max freed as an example both of his complete game shutouts he was pit- he didn't strike out that many guys he yeah. was locating beautifully and i don't know if he's been amped up in these playoffs where he has not pitched as well and if that's affected his uh loss of location uh, where he's pitching more to the middle of the plate, maybe throwing a little harder, if that's been kind of the the effect of that. But I hope his next outing he's able to get back calm down and get back to what he was doing when he was pitching to contact that's the success yeah
1: and I agree with you I don't I don't think the form there's multiple formulas to win I think the formula that has been around in baseball for 100 years can still be effective I mean you still Soroka you know has a ball there's we've seen I mean look at the guy Gratterall for that dude could pitch nine innings because he's throwing 100 mile an hour sinkers he pitches to contact but they're just all broken bats right right? so that formula is still works it's just that they're trying to introduce a new formula and you know and it's just uh, that's just the way the game is but I agree I think people could still change speeds Maddox would just be as effective today as he would back then and I really uh, wanted to hit off Gratterall I really did yeah (laughs) Not, no, not really. I mean, no, not really. I mean, you just you just make sure you take you don't take your gamer up there because right? it and, ain't coming yeah. back. And, and you got a and a double ear flap too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, we love you guys. We appreciate you spending some time with us. You Absolutely. bet. Thank Our thank pleasure. You. Thanks, guys.
2: Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
0: Hey, Braves country, we just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or at Braves.com slash Behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves.